After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
J.M. in the A.M. Oh, yes. Two weeks from today is the uh, yard side of Rav Shlomo Kalbach, assuming we're on a regular schedule, and I say it that way only because of the uh, situation in Israel. You never know what may prompt us to do what, but assuming we're on a normal schedule, two weeks from today we'll dominate our morning with the uh, great music of Rav Shlomo Kalbach on his 21st yard side. That's Shlomo Katz, of course, with the Nigun Neshama uh, from Rav Shlomo Kalbach here at JMA. Mivan Siach at Shimon Kramer. You heard Shlomo Kalbach himself with Kihem Chayenu. Words that are important to remember during these times. Yidol with Sos Asis. You heard Benny Friedman and Kol Hanishama. Simcha Liner, a song that I would say was the music topic of conversation last night at the Nahum Siegel Network event. There was a network event last night that was just wonderful. I want to take this opportunity to thank uh, Jamie Turkel and Miriam L. Wallach and everybody who worked so hard to put it together. And Oh, and I want to thank Kevin and his staff from Petopia and Eden Walk. Also, great job. Um, but I say it like that because I, I, I say that... Um, what did I say already about that song? I say that in terms of the musical conversation of last night having to do with Jewish music, I think it was that song that dominated. The song is called Shalom from Simcha Liner off of his volume number two, and it's a good one. And Regesh, of course, Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Thursday on this October the 15th, day two in the month of Marcheshvan, the year 5776. Tufshin I involved the brand new year, and we say Shana Tova. Happy, healthy new year to everybody as we are now already in the second month of the brand new year. Hard to believe. Uh, big arrest in um, Tel Aviv. Israel has arrested two Palestinians after a large police dragnet, as it's being described by the Jerusalem Post, in Tel Aviv. Israeli police arrested two Arab men in the Tel Aviv area after security alerts sent forces scrambling to the Givatayim area. Never thought I'd be hearing about terrorist captures in Gibatayim, frankly. The manhunt uh, saw special police units, undercover cops, and security forces descend on the Gibatayim area as police closed off the Hashalom Bridge intersection and the Moses Bridge, snarling Thursday morning traffic in Tel Aviv. Helicopters were scrambled over the area for a short while. A large swath of the city was on high alert. The incident began around 10.30 Thursday morning when Tel Aviv police said they were searching for a suspicious vehicle in the area, a suspect was believed to be on his way to carry out an attack. Police did not suspect that the vehicle was to be used as a car bomb. A little over an hour later, the police announced the incident was over and that the two men had been arrested and handed over to the Shin Bet. Uh, both, of course, from Arab East Jerusalem. Um, I say, of course, in quotation marks, only because the uh, one of the distinguishing factors of this intifada is the fact that um, so many are Israeli Arabs coming from East Jerusalem. So many of the murderers, so many of those who want to instill terror and fear in the uh, hearts and minds of all good people. Um, JM in the AM at 24 minutes before 7 o'clock. Full day on our stream at jmtheam.org and the Nahum Siegel Network. A lot going on today. I'm proud to say Charlie Harari is going to be on at 9 o'clock. Allison Josephs with Jew in the City speaks at 10 a.m. Miriam L. Wallach at 10.30. She's got a great guest this morning. Um, at 1 o'clock, Mark Zamek is going <laughs> to... A little bit of, little bit of uh, inside stuff for those of you who are curious about some of our beginnings. Uh, Mark revisits a different era 
in radio, college radio up at Yeshiva University when he speaks with the, some of the old general managers. Yeah, we could use that word, old. Uh, we're all old. Some of the old general managers uh, from uh, WYUR and what I would consider to be one of its heydays in the 1980s. Uh, he'll do that on the stun show between 1 and 2 o'clock today. So a lot going on today on our stream. Make sure to be tuned in all day long at jamnam.org. And, of course, on the NSN app where you can comment on anything that's going on all day long. Uh, excited that the Lord Jonathan Sachs, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, is going to join us uh, coming up at 8 o'clock this morning. He's got a brand new book. It is uh, called Not in God's Name. It's, excuse me, it's called... Uh, oh, gosh, I'm so confused now. It is called... Uh, hang on a second, I'll tell you exactly what it's called. <laughs> You'd think I know by now, right? Uh, it is called... Um, Not Oh, I was right. Wow. That's amazing. I thought I was not right about that. Uh, it's called Not in God's Name, Confronting Religious Violence. What a timely topic. I mean, any point in the last, I don't know, 20, 30, 100 years would be timely. But my gosh, this week, watching the incitement grow into murder, into terror in our Holy Land... It really is timely. Anyway, Rabbi Sachs joins us at 8 o'clock this morning, not in God's name, confronting religious violence. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs will be with us here at JM in the AM. Very much looking forward to it. We'll, we'll check in with um, yet another friend in the Holy Land in the 7 o'clock hour. A uh, bunch of other stuff to do this morning for you here at JM in the AM. Uh, tomorrow, Malcolm Homeline. And I noticed, by the way, and I I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't want to be too... Um, I don't want to be too cynical or skeptical. Uh, I would think at this point, I don't have the official announcement in front of me. I'll try to dig it up. I would think at this point everybody is observing a Shabbat of solidarity uh, with our brothers and sisters in Israel. I would think at this point basically everybody is doing so. Now, I say it like that because the Conference of Presidents, to their credit, has declared, and they go across the board, you know how difficult it is for them to get a consensus on anything. So I I, I really do say kolakavod to them. I, I would just hope that everybody was doing this anyway. Uh, but they have called through a unified effort, an effort that comes from the entire religious, all the religious backgrounds, all the political backgrounds, uh, a Shabbat of unity. And nobody does unity in times like this like the Jewish people, as we know. Thank God. Halavai, we should do it you know, during peaceful times as well. But the, nobody does it like uh, the Jewish people during times like this. Uh, so a Shabbat of unity coming up, and I would hope that every rabbi, community leader, synagogue president will in some way focus on the situation in Israel this Shabbat. Please, no matter how far left or far right you might consider yourselves politically or religiously, please, please spend a little bit of time on the topic of our brothers and sisters in Israel. Please. And I'm and I'm making a special plea to our brothers and sisters here who 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 often think of every aspect of our religious observance and sometimes forget about the importance of our connection to Israel. Please, please make it a point this Shabbat, this Shabbos, make it a point to. Um, to mention and to remember our brothers and sisters and uh, all they're going through in the Holy Land at this point. Now, 
Um, one of the, I guarantee you, someone made a comment to me last night how they wish we could just speak about Israel three straight hours every morning, and even beyond that, all through the day on our stream, on our network. And obviously that's not always, <laughs> it's not always possible. But we ch- do try to bring you material that nobody else is bringing you. Um, we do try to bring you something that, that you're not going to hear anywhere else. I guarantee you CNN is not about to play what we're about to play on these airwaves. I guarantee you that. Even Fox News is not about to play what we're about to play on these airwaves. I'm on the phone early this morning with Egal Siegel in Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem. And uh, we're talking about the uh, attack yesterday at Tachanam Merkazit at the central bus station. A 70-year-old woman stabbed outside the central bus station in Yerushalayim. It was right outside the bus station. And the reason I say that with some significance is because the clip I'm about to play from you was from outside the central bus station, from just the area where she was stabbed. And there was a, as described by this gentleman on Facebook, Simon Blechman, he writes, This seemed worth sharing. After yet another stabbing attack just over an hour ago, this time targeting a 70-year-old woman outside the central bus station here in Jerusalem, this just Happen. Now, obviously, on video, this will be more effective, but listen carefully to what the crowd is chanting and singing in the aftermath of this stabbing at the central bus station in Jerusalem. <laughs> That's a clip from the gathering outside of the central bus station last night in the holy city of Jerusalem. I'm 
And the road ahead is paved with possibility, laughter and smiles. When I'm with you, I'm soaring high and free. When you're in my world, I believe in me. I look into your eyes and see that I can be stronger, I can be braver, I can be, I can be anything, anything I wanna be, oh, anything I wanna be. I have the power, I have the courage, I am a hero. Everything I need is inside of me, is inside of me. Of Shweki, an amazing single entitled I Can Be. Miami Boys with Altira. Yaeli Greenfeld had Altira after the clip that we played from Tachan America Zit from the central bus station in Jerusalem where the 70 year old woman was attacked and stabbed by a terrorist yesterday, and then within minutes, an outpouring of a spirit, spirit and song 
first the Hatikva and then the song Altira. Uh, I want to thank uh, Yigal Siegel in Jerusalem brought that video to our attention. There is hope. There is hope. Just got just got to keep working on it. That's all. Uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs joins us in hour number three. He is the uh, former chief rabbi of the United Kingdom. Lord Sachs has a brand new book, Not in God's Name, Confronting Religious Violence. We get to speak with him in the 8 o'clock hour. Boy, is this going to be a timely conversation. We speak with him coming up right here at JM in the AM. Friday, tomorrow, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us in the 7 o'clock, excuse me, 7 o'clock hour. We'll start at about 7.40. And we'll go through the... Uh, all the different things that need to be gone through. Yeah, I know. There's a lot. There's a lot to do. There's a lot happening. And it seems that uh, when there's a lot happening, there are a lot of people who unfortunately are being terrorized. We'll talk about that and much, much more tomorrow. Malcolm Honline will join us at a weekly update about 7.40 tomorrow morning. Good opportunity, by the way, to try out the NSN app if you want to hear the weekly update. In as clear a fashion as possible, make sure to install the Nahum Siegel Network app. And uh, you'll be glad you did. It gives you an opportunity to really hear things loudly and clearly as we conduct that conversation tomorrow. You can install it right now and hear the rest of our conversations and music today as clearly as possible, which, believe me, would be most welcome for a lot of folks out there. 52 degrees, sunshine, a high of 65. Yerushalayim is at 81. We're at 52 here in Jersey City on this Thursday morning broadcast. Check in with Yael Katzman of Nefesh Benefesh. Yes, another group flight landed there this week. Yes. There are people who have dedicated themselves, completely dedicated themselves, to carrying out their mission and accelerating their aliyah during times like this. You know what I call people like that? I call them Jewish heroes. Emulating those of past generations who spent months, if not longer, trying to get to Israel. How do they go about showing their enthusiasm for the Holy Land these days? During rough times, they try to get there quicker. That's how. It's a uh, an amazing and unique opportunity that some people are taking advantage of. Uh, we want to remind everybody that um, if you have trips scheduled to Israel, try your hardest to keep them on your calendar. The uh, solidarity missions that are being formed, if there's one in your neighborhood, in your community, one that your shul is part of, one that you are part of from an organization, let us know. We very badly want to make sure that we feature and encourage and remind people about solidarity missions that are heading to the Holy Land. So please, let us know about them. I beg of you. And yes, this is a Shabbat, a Shabbat that the Conference of Presidents has designated as a Solidarity Shabbat with our brethren in Israel. It is a Shabbat that everybody out there should make sure to mention and keep in mind and act on behalf of our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land. Please make sure to do so. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Tune in to our incredible programming all through the day. Charlie Harari, Allison Josephs with Jew in the City Speaks, Miriam L. Wallach with a great guest today. Stun Show with Mark Zamek, reliving some great old radio memories. 
A lot of great material coming up all through the day. Keep it at the NSN app and on jmnam.org all through the day. You will not regret it. You'll be happy, in fact, that you did. You'll be spending the day with us. And we'll be live from 11 until 1. There'll be other live programming as well, but from 11 until 1 in the middle of the day, we'll be live. And we'll be talking about Israel. And we'll be uh, uniting together with messages about the Holy Land. So please make sure to join us during our live lunch between 11 and 1 o'clock today on jmnam.org and through the NSN app. Thursday morning, Galitzal in the background. News from Israel comes up next. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Thursday is next. We say Boker Toe from JM in the AM. Galitzal, Ashtayim, Khan Shibel Karmi Mansour, in Mashakore Akshav. אחרי שאבו מאזן האשים אמש את ישראל בהוצאתו להורג של המחבל בן ה-13 שביצע את הפיגוע בפסגת זאב, המדינה מפרסמת כעת את תמונותיו מבית החולים. בתמונות נראה המחבל אחמד מנסרה בהכרה ומקבל טיפול ואוכל. הנשיא ריבלין הגיב היום בצהריים על נאומו של אבו מאזן. האמת איננה יחסית. אי אפשר להפוך רוצח לקורבן ולהאשים את הקורבן שביקש להגן על עצמו. הדמוקרטיה הישראלית מבוססת על חוק ומשפט הייתה ותהיה לעולם כך. שני החשודים שנעצרו הבוקר בתום המצות בתל אביב ובגבעתיים הם צעירים פלסטינים תושבי מזרח ירושלים. במקביל בכפר חב"ד נעצר פלסטיני נוסף כשברשותו דגל חמאס וגרזן. השר סילבן שלום אמר היום בכנס של מרכז השלטון המקומי שלישראל אין שום כוונה לשנות את הסטטוס קוו בהר הבית. אל-אקצא הוא מקום קדוש למוסלמים, אנחנו מכבדים את זה ואין שום כוונה, לא הייתה, לא קיימת ולא תהיה. להרוס את מסגד אל-אקצא ולבנות במקומו שם את בית המקדש. הרי כל מי שאומר את זה זה דברי אבל. זה דבר שמביא להסתה. יש אנשים שחיים מההסתה הזאת, שמקבלים תרומות כתוצאה מזה. את הדברים הביאו כתבינו הדס שטייף וניתאי הנבי. בשל המתיחות, בסוף השבוע לא יערכו משחקי כדורגל בין קבוצות יהודיות וערביות. כתבנו תאו וייס. המשטרה הודיעה להתאחדות לכדורגל שלא תאשר את קיום המשחקים המעורבים. למעט במחוז תל אביב יידחו כל המפגשים המעורבים בליגות הילדים, הנערים, הנוער והבוגרים. הולכת רגל בשנות ה-70 לחייה נהרגה מפגיעת רכב בנשר כשצעדה על מעבר חצייה. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר שהולכת רגל נוספת נפצעה קל עד בינוני ופונתה לבית החולים רמב״ם בחיפה. מזג האוויר בלי שינוי של ממש בטמפרטורות. ולסיום, אילנה דיין וקרן נויבך הן הזוכות בפרס סוקולוב לתקשורת אלקטרונית השנה. דיין, כך נכתב, תקבל את הפרס על שורת תחקירים יסודיים ופורצי דרך בתוכנית עובדה. ואילו נויבך על עיסוקה בנושאים כלכליים וחברתיים מנקודת מבט ביקורתית בתוכנית סדר יום ברשת ב'. שתיהן, אגב, החלו את דרכן ככתבות צעירות כאן בגל"צ לפני יותר מ-25 שנה. במרכז מפלגת העבודה הדרמה אולי קטנת ממדים לעומת מה שהתרחש במרכז חירות. עכשיו הדרמה היא של אליהו שפייזר, 59.92%. תמר אשל ויחזקאל זכאי לא ייכללו במועמדים להיכלל ברשימת המערך לכנסת. ובכן נעצרנו שעת לילה מאוחרת, עוד מעט כבר 12, וושינגטון הולכת לישון הלילה. מקור בממשל האמריקאי אמר הלילה בוושינגטון שייתכן והנשיא ג'ורג' בוש ייתן את פקודת ההתקפה על עיראק לקראת סוף השבוע הזה. ברכות לאילנה ולקרן. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר.
Hello, okay. 
J.M. in the A.M., wow. You bring that song back after 12, 13 years, and uh, Chazak Amenu is such an important theme, and the unity of the Jewish people, and keeping our brothers and sisters in Israel and our hearts and minds continuously, especially during times like this, so vital, so important. What an amazing song. We stand as one. I'll give a big 12-year-later yashikach to all the artists that got together to make sure that that got recorded. Really important, really important. Uh, Yisrael Jeskowitz with S.I.N.I. You heard the Rabbi's sons in Est Semach. 17 minutes after 7 o'clock. Good morning, Thursday at JM in the AM. Full day on our stream at jmtheam.org on the NSN network. Make sure to have your NSN app uh, fired up and ready all day long. You'll hear our incredible programming, and you'll hear it clearly through the great app. Plus, of course, you can comment on the app whenever you wish on the home screen. Make sure you install the NSN app on your Android or your iPhone. So you can enjoy all the wonderful programming. Um, coming up today, starting at... Oh, and I want to take this opportunity, by the way, and wish a Mazel Tov to Dina and Charlie Harari. Yeah, they got a big Mazel Tov, brand new baby boy. They are going to be um, celebrating the Shlom Zachar of their newborn. That's going to happen uh, tomorrow night. And the bris coming up next week. So to Adina and Charlie Harari and to the extended Harari and Erez families, we say Mazel Tov from all of us here. At JM in the AM. Uh, Charlie Harari's uh, The Boardroom uh, will air starting at 9 a.m. Uh, right after JM in the AM. Then Jew in the City Speaks will have a preview of the upcoming Shabbos project. Yakir Frazier and Rabbi Nissan are going to join Alice and Joseph for a look at the Shabbos project, which is also talk about international Jewish events of significance. This is also turning out to be one of those which is pretty amazing. On That's Life at 10.30, it's Miriam L. Wallach with writer and stay-at-home mom Bethany Mandel, whose latest New York Post op-ed piece, Guns and Moses, discussing the re- discusses the recent uptick in Jewish gun ownership. She'll join the program, hear about her own experiences at a shooting range, the people she met, and how the current climate seems to be influencing previous non-gun owners to change their minds. That should be a very interesting show. Miriam L. Wallach with Bethany Mandel coming up at 10.30 this morning on our stream at jmnam.org and on the NSN app. Live lunch at 11. We'll be live and we'll be talking about Israel for sure and playing appropriate music, so make sure to be tuned in. And the stunt show, Mark Zamek has uh, brought together, uh, let's see, uh, Nahum Siegel, Jack Abramowitz, Robbie Zeitz, Phil Sleppy, and I believe Robert Katz as well, former general managers at WYUR. We're going to re- relive, I'm sure, some interesting uh, news of our beginnings if you're if you're curious about how all this got started, Mark Zamek's show today is a great resource. Uh, we'll be doing that live today, starting at one o'clock. So there you go. And Throwback Thursday. I don't usually do a lot of uh, pre publicity for um, for Throwback Thursday, but today, well, two things. First of all, some people have been complaining, rightfully so, that Throwback Thursday often is from the period of time of 12 to 15 years ago where the news was dominated by terror attacks in Israel, and they get nervous as they hear it. They don't realize it's an old show that's playing. So be aware of the fact that there's a throwback show from 2003 that's on today starting at 2 p.m. Eastern time. And today this classic JM and the AM will feature the Yussi Green Ohad debut. It goes back to 2003 for Ohad's first CD. Could you imagine that? So that happens today all on the stream at jmtheam.org and, of course, 
on the NSN app and the Nahum Siegel Network. More coming up, JM and the AM on this Thursday morning. 52 degrees, sunshine, a high of 65. We're at 81 in Yerushalayim, 52 here in Jersey City at JM and the AM.
A lot of great reaction to David Gabay's brand new CD. This might be the the real precious gem from this brand new album. Shir HaAchdut at JM in the AM. Song of unity, song of togetherness, song of brotherhood. Shir HaAchdut at JM in the AM. Great selection. Sandy Shmueli before that. J.M. and the A.M. Thursday, 7.30 in the morning. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words. Zechonish Basar of Zeb Alevi and Esther Basar of Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The great Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Vizhnitz once said that the appellation Mar comes from the Lashon of a Merachshin Sivsosayo. They were moving their lips. During the month of Elul and the month of Tishrei, all of Klal Yisrael has been engaged in Avodah Hashem. They served Hashem with love, singing praises. Following these two months, our lips continue to move in rhythm with these Divrei Kedusha, the words of holiness which continue to inspire us. It's comparable to one who leaves Shul after davening, but they're still humming the melodies of the different piyutim that we heard while we were still in Shul. After two months of being totally immersed in Torah and Tefillah, the lips move as if by themselves, continuing to intone the Tefillahs, the Shiras, the songs, the Sishbachos, and the praises. It is interesting to note that the month of Marcheshvan has a lot to do with the Gvuras Kishomim, the rain. We've already begun in our Tefillahs, Mashiv HaRuach, Umorid HaGeshem, Hashem who causes the wind to blow and the rain to fall. In Shulchan Aruch, it says that this is merely Haskaras Geshomim, the mentioning of the rains, Avolishol Geshomim, but to actually ask and request the rain, Maschilim Biyom Shvi Lechodesh Zeh, we begin on the seventh of the month, in order that the last people of Klal Yisrael can reach Nahar Pras. B'nai Yisrael that went up to be Ola Regel, they went to Yerushalayim for the pilgrim festivals, should not encounter on their way home any dangerous storms. And so we push off the Tefillah until the 7th of Cheshvan, in order that the last people going home from the Aliyah Regel will reach their destination safely. The Medrash says that the Besamikdosh that Shlomo HaMelech built was finished during Mar Cheshvan. However, it was not dedicated until the following Tishrei. Because of this, Cheshvan endured shame. Hashem said, in the future, I will repay the month of Cheshvan. The building of the third and final Besamikdosh will be during this month of Cheshvan. That could very well be the reason why we call this month Mar Cheshvan. Mar is also a very important way of addressing an individual to show Chashivas. We have great Chashivas for this month because it is the month that was chosen for the building 
of the long-awaited Beis HaMikdosh. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day. Thursday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. As we've been emphasizing all through the last couple of weeks, we uh, continue to be in touch with people who are in Israel, can give us a perspective on life in Israel, and in many ways can give us positive messages as well. And, of course, in that category is our good friend Yael Katzman. Yael Katzman is Director of Marketing and Communications at Nefesh Benefesh. She witnessed yet another group flight arrive in Israel with Nefesh Benefesh this week. This week. She witnessed a group flight come in, and we'll talk more about that coming up here at JM in the AM. Yael Katzman, shalom, and welcome back to JM in the AM. Shalom, and good morning, Nachum. Uh, we start, like I said, by asking everybody who's in touch with us from the Holy Land uh, about the situation, how difficult things are and how uh, tense things can get in light of the news. What can you tell us that we should know about what's happening now in Israel? Um. Things are very challenging right now. Um, there's definitely uh, there's been a jolt to our personal sense of uh, safety. Um, however, just like we saw last year during um, Operation Sugaitan, you really feel like uh, people are coming together and everyone is trying to get through this hard time and this challenging time um, in a very unified way. Um, I'll just give you a quick example. My daughter, who's 14, sent uh, what's up to the family group yesterday, 8.30 in the morning. She got to her bus stop. She was a little nervous about walking down to her bus stop by herself, and she sent a picture of two bottles of soda, two bottles of Coke that were on a little chair, and there was a sign there that said, please help yourselves to some drinks. This is a, you know, on behalf of Ami Israel and a <laughs> present for everyone. So every, everyone is trying very hard to cheer each other up and stay together, and people are giving soldiers, uh, free free meals at restaurants and sending pizzas over to them. So we're all trying hard to, uh, you know, to make the make the best of it. It's Israel, after all. Uh, earlier in the hour number one of this morning's program, I played a video that was sent to me of uh, the scene outside of Tachan America Zit, the scene outside of the central bus station in Jerusalem, uh, where we know that yesterday a 70-year-old woman was stabbed in this latest attempt to instill fear and terror in everybody. And, and to murder people. And, um, and what was the reaction within an hour? A group of young people outside singing Hatikva, singing Altira, and just, uh, you know, changing the mood of the entire scene. And again, with the tension that you describe, and understandably the concern for security and safety for children and everybody that you describe, there is something unique. There is something unique, as you just said with that story about the Coca-Cola. There's something unique about our people, which, thank God, is not being extinguished during these difficult times. Right. Uh, exactly. Maybe. Exactly. And I'll just add uh, a lo- another little uh, personal anecdote. I was um, I was actually on my way to pick up my six-year-old from a baseball um, a baseball practice right by the central bus station at that hour yesterday. And that was uh, quite a jarring experience. Yeah, I can only When they imagine. said that there was a terrorist, uh, a second terrorist running around, and I was trying to get to the five little boys that were waiting for me to take them in the van. <laughs> it was a little nutty, but on the other hand, yeah, thank God, nothing, nothing happened. Yeah, for those who are doing carpool right now here, and I guarantee you there's thousands in that situation this moment there, uh, likely thinking what I'm thinking about, how different a situation we have on this side of the world. Well, our hearts and minds are with our brothers and sisters in Israel. Yael Katzman is with us live via telephone, Director of Marketing 
and communications and Nefesh Benefesh. It's something we mentioned yesterday with Mark, and I've got to emphasize it with you uh, here this morning. Uh, you, you witnessed yet another group flight come in this week. It must be, talk about a jolt uh, in terms of what you saw yesterday. It, it must have been a positive jolt, what you saw earlier in the week, when close to 100 people decide to get to Israel to even, I'm sure in some of their minds, they wanted to get there even quicker than when they originally had planned. In their own heads, they're accelerating their aliyah during these challenging times. What was it like greeting that group this week? I have to tell you that was the happiest thing I woke up to this uh, this week. <laughs> to leave to the airport at 7 a.m. Um, and to meet 65 uh, new Olim from all over the U.S. I think we had 13 different states represented. Um, who got off the plane, and each and every one of them um, said they would they would would not have considered changing their plans. Um, they were undeterred. They were not scared. And one woman even said to me that she considers her fate now joined with the fate of all the Jewish people and making her mark in Israel. So they were just um, so determined to come and to to make a difference here. And, and it's it's incredibly inspiring and for what? us here. To greet them. Oh, I can only imagine it. And one of the things that we've emphasized so much in the last couple of years, especially as this has, as my eyes have been opened to this very fact, is that you get to greet people from across the board. I mean, you are meeting people from limited religious backgrounds, from very serious religious backgrounds, uh, from, from, as you said, representing so many different states and geographic regions, some of which we wouldn't believe that you'll find members of the Jewish community or those with Zionism in their hearts. It must be an even greater feeling when you think of the diverse group that you've welcomed this week. And it really was diverse, diverse, diverse. I, um, I met a woman, a young woman from Florida who grew up in a reform home and, um, had never been to Israel. She had come, uh, last year on a special program, uh, which was helping, uh, underprivileged children in Rehovot. Um, she came actually from an advertising and marketing, uh, background. She had finished a degree at a local college and, um, she was just blown away and she decided that Israel was in her heart, Israel was going to be her home, and she was going to go and pursue a teaching degree and move to Israel. And yesterday she was on the flight, <laughs> moving to Rehovot. <laughs> uh. So, and I mean, she grew up in an unaffiliated home. Um, Israel wasn't, you know, the t- on the top of the agenda. Yeah. Um, but she still managed to find her way here, just like we had a, a young modern Orthodox couple from Muncie who just got married. I'll give a shout out to Shmuel and Hannah Eisenberg. Mazel they got married last Thursday, wow. October 9th, in <sighs> Muncie, oh. and they made Aliyah on Jewish flight during Shabbat Brachas. They had Shabbat Brachas on the flight, which I know is, is they did. There's a precedent for that. You've done that before, if I'm not mistaken. We have done it on the charter. It was just a little bit more of a challenge on a group flight, which is a, <laughs> a regular true. scheduled allow, but. Cheryl Stein at Alal was awesome, and we managed to get a few cups of wine together, a oh, glass cool. of wine, and a little bit of a party was held on the plane. Call a kavod to Alal for that. Yeah, believe it or not, there's another group flight leaving on November the 17th. Now, based on your experience, and again, uh, with the uh, amazing uh, jolt of enthusiasm that you were able to get uh, as you welcome this group flight, do you expect that those who plan on coming November the 17th are, in fact, going to keep those plans intact? 
I really do. We ha- we didn't have a single cancellation this week, and um, the last few weeks have not been easy. And the news coming out of Israel is certainly not um, the best of news and easiest to consume. However, um, right now, we our call center has not um, has not had its uh, phones ringing off the hook. Uh, we have some concern of potential leam, but um, people just need a little bit of reassurance. They need to you know a little bit more information. Um, but in general, it's looking very positive. Well, there you go. And we've been encouraging people to keep their trips in general on the calendar, and uh, sometimes it's even easier for people who are touring around as opposed to having a regular set schedule in Israel to adjust their days uh, to, with safety and security obviously in mind, like everybody has in mind. So everybody out there, if you have a trip scheduled, whether it's a group flight with Nefesh Ben Nefesh or it's just a trip to tours, you'll try your hardest to keep those trips on the calendar and to uh, just get all the information you need in order to prepare properly. I should mention, you know what, I'll wait till uh, I'll wait till the conversation ends, Yael, because this is this is this is not a pitch even though it's a great opportunity uh, to talk about what's happening uh, this coming week with Nefesh Nefesh. I'll do that after we conclude our conversation. This is more of a uh, a conversation to uh, to talk about your eyewitness account seeing all these people land in Israel and getting a feeling for the types of people that are dedicated uh, to the uh, to the state of Israel and to the future of the Jewish people, and one one last point on that, and I again, it's something I've uh, a point I've made recently over the last few months. It, it is remarkable, and you talk about people from diverse backgrounds, and again, sometimes it's shocking to us that those from limited backgrounds would have the Zionistic spirit. It's obvious that you and others who come to this country and see uh, the way people you know, start planning their trips, start planning their, their big move to Israel, it is obvious that Jewish parents across this country in North America, again, no matter what the background, are so many of them are doing such a remarkable job instilling the real tradition of the Jewish people, of course, the land and state of Israel, into their children. And that, that must give you great hope and optimism when you think of that. Oh, uh, for sure. Um, you know, we, we the the state was founded as a on, as a melting pot. I mean, immigrants came from all over, and everyone has known that. Uh, you know, it's been infamous for different cultures and different backgrounds and different affiliations coming together. And we're still seeing it. Modern day Zionism, mm-hmm. modern day pioneers are coming over, and we're just seeing from every walks of life. And it, it really is encouraging. It is so remarkable. Well, stay safe and best regards to everybody and uh, continue the amazing work. And I hope you have the privilege to welcome a lot more group and charter flights as thousands and thousands continue to flock to Israel, thank God, under the umbrella of Nefesh Benefesh. Send our best to everybody, please. I will do. Thank you so much. Yael Katzman, we're trying our hardest to uh, present every single day people from the Holy Land and getting their perspective the perspective of what it's like to live under terror and the perspective of what it's like to live with such optimism and hope and Zionism and, and to be able to greet dreamers like uh, the folks at Nefesh Benefesh are, are able to do on a regular basis. Um, what I wanted to mention was the Aliyah Dream Tour. This is a 10-day tour of workshops and meetings guiding people uh, on this journey, on this journey, an Aliyah journey. And today... Today at NYU, uh, the school, NYU in New York City, uh, Jessica Friedman, a Nefesh Benefesh representative, will be taking Aliyah questions. That's a student Aliyah planning meeting starting at 2.40 this afternoon until 6 p.m. Brooklyn, New York, 
There will be a Nefesh B'Nefesh Aliyah planning meeting in Brooklyn this coming uh, Sunday, October the 18th. You can check that out. The um, the details are that it's at the Yeshiva of Flatbush starting at 10.30 in the morning. In New Jersey, there will be a congregation B'nai Yeshur in this coming Sunday night. Information about all of this, you'll see it on the homepage, nbn.org.il. That's nbn.org.il. More coming up at JM in the AM. Eitan Katz, Yerav Naz, that brand new single, which is pretty amazing. Thursday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs is going to be joining us coming up. He's uh, author of the brand new book, Not in God's Name, Confronting Religious Violence. He'll speak with us coming up here at JM in the AM. Very much looking forward to it. Trucker Yitz says, happy birthday to Malka Miriam Van, celebrating her 14th Hebrew birthday on Bet. Cheshvan, we say happy birthday from all of us here at JMN. Don't forget you can comment on the NSN app all through the day. 
um, uh, during all of our great programming. We have an amazing day of programming. Make sure you have the NSN app. You don't want to be the only person without it. That would be terrible, obviously. <laughs> We've been telling you about the certain communities that are inviting people to uh, share a Shabbat in their community to see uh, just how incredible their community is. And we've been spending some time on Connecticut. That's right. Yesterday we did Stanford. Today we go to the Young Israel of West Hartford. The Young Israel of West Hartford uh, just a few weeks ago welcomed uh, Rabbi Tuvia and uh, Miriam Brander to the community. Rabbi Brander is the uh, brand-new rabbi, the Young Israel of West Hartford. And on the 30th of November, they will have a special Shabbat uh, where you can come visit the wonderful West Hartford Jewish community and uh, find out if, in fact, that community is right for you and your family. Rabbi Tuvia Brander, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Malcolm. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. I greatly appreciate it. And Mazel Tov to you, your wife, to everybody on this uh, amazing appointment. Uh, how have the first few weeks gone so far at the Young Israel of West Hartford? Thank you so much. It has been absolutely wonderful. Um, there's a real excitement here that we were so excited to be a part of. And we've been just stunned by the warm welcome and outpouring of support people have shown us here just as we, you know, coming right before the Yom Yorayim is sometimes a trying time for a rabbi to start. So (laughs) it's been such a pleasure to be here and the community has been so warm and welcoming and just been, we're so honored to be part of this community. Now, you've spent a lot of time in major Jewish communities, so you'll appreciate this question, as, as uh, unfair as it might sound. But can, can you describe to us what type of community it is? I mean, are we, are we dealing with, uh, you know, a fairly large Jewish community up in West Hartford? So the community as a whole, the, community, the area as a whole, both over 25,000 Jews. Um, and in general, in the Hartford area, there are about four to five hundred families engaged in Orthodox schools. Um, our school is a wonderful, warm, engaged school. Uh, probably, you know, what you would expect of a young Israel. We have a vast variety of people who have come together, committed to growing religiously, spiritually, to really creating and forging a Makom Torah, um, and also a place where the shul cannot just be a place where we come together for davening, but really be a center of the community and our spiritual life. Rabbi Tovia Brander's with us. You know, there's a subtitle to your Shabbaton online that says, Where City Style Meets Village Charm. And I want to tell you, there are a lot of people in this audience who like both of those things. <laughs> and that is definitely encapsulates us. We are a wonderful place to live, beautiful places to walk around, parks, but also we have all the draws and culture of a big city. Um, there are a number of different places that have raked us in the top ten places to raise a family. Wow. Meaning nationally. Nationally. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, Rabbi Tovia Branders with us. What do people need to know about the Shabbaton? I know it starts October the 30th. It's obviously free. You want to welcome families. What details do people need to participate in the West Hartford Shabbaton? So they can sign up. They can come to our website. JewishWestHartford.org. Um, it's free. We're excited to welcome people and give them a taste of what a regular Shabbos experience is here. Um, you know, if, if that, if that date doesn't work, we'd be happy to welcome you at any other time. Um, we would love to create, uh, opportunities for different people to meet people here, uh, network a little bit. There's a bolstering, um, economy in the area, and there are lots of job opportunities, 
both in the medical field and, and several others, and we'd love to help make connections in that as well. Um, I think one of the nicest things about this area, um, and in particular about the Young Israel, is the tremendous amount of youth that we are so privileged to have as part of our community. One of the things that really drew me and Miriam to the community is that on any given Shabbos, you have 60, 70 kids running around the shul um, between the age of zero and sixth grade. Um, and that's just a, a mark of a really vibrant, growing Jewish community. Hmm, very nice. And, and I would imagine, although you don't really have to answer this question, I would imagine knowing the... Um, uh, know, knowing your uh, stardom as a young rabbi and uh, what people think of you in general, I would imagine you had more than one opportunity out there, and obviously you chose this one, and I'm sure for good reason. So <laughs> that is a statement in and of itself, I guess, that you felt this was an opportunity really to grow a community and to make a real impact. We were we were thrilled by the opportunity to be able to partner here. Um, we've just, as I mentioned, we've been welcomed so warmly by the community. We found such an engaged and dedicated lady and um, people who are really excited and willing to roll up their sleeves and be involved in the community. Uh, West Hartford is a place where we're large enough to be a vibrant Jewish community, but small enough where everyone can feel valued and heard and welcomed and has an opportunity to contribute in their own way. Um, we're actually just embarked on a process to ensure that we really ensure that everyone feels valued and heard. We started these stakeholder meetings. Huh. Where everyone in the community comes together at different, you know, in different meetings, um, really just to talk and dream together about what we hope for the shul, um, and where each individual sees their continued commitment in that process. Um, and that I really think is part of the hallmark of this community, where we're large enough to be uh, vibrant, but small enough to ensure we have the personal attention, both in the shul, in the schools, um, in the high school. It's really. Uh, something to marvel at. You mentioned schools and high schools, so there must be more kosher and Jewish amenities up there than we think. There are. We have, we both some great day schools, including a high school. There's a mikvah, an of kosher food, huh. multiple kosher bakeries, caterers, and we have a wonderful and well-established uh, umbrella of Jewish organizations really supporting the Jewish community and the broader community. Amazing. I didn't, I'm glad I asked. Sometimes I hesitate to ask because sometimes communities are lacking and, you know, I don't want to highlight what they don't have, but you seem to have everything up there. We have, and we have one of the oldest Jewish day schools in the country. We're celebrating now the 76th year of its uh, existence. What's the name of the school? The Hebrew Academy, the Beth and Paul Seagal Hebrew Academy. Nice. Very nice. Information about the Shabbaton. It's free of charge. Your family's invited up in West Hartford, Connecticut, or by Tuvia Brander. And, uh, and uh, Miriam Brander would love to welcome you up uh, to West Hartford. You can go to the website, YoungIsraelWH. Pretty simple. YoungIsraelWH for WestHartford.org. Again, YoungIsraelWH.org. The Shabbaton begins in October the 30th. All right, Brander, good luck to you. We are sure that West Hartford is going to benefit greatly from you and your family. Thank you so much. Thursday morning broadcast. More coming up at JM in the AM, including next, assuming our connection operates the way it's supposed to. And I mean, I mean technical connection. Uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, Lord Sachs, with the brand new book, Not in God's Name. He is scheduled next, coming up at JM in the AM.
selection brand new from Simcha Liner here to wrap up the hour. Thursday morning broadcast, 8 o'clock in the morning, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Thursday morning broadcast, the brand new book, 
is entitled Not in God's Name, Confronting Religious Violence. The book is authored by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, someone who needs no introduction for this audience. Rabbi Sachs, of course, for a period of close to a quarter of a century, the chief rabbi of the United Kingdom, and um, somebody who has a plethora of of books at this point and is one of the most sought-after speakers uh, on the international Jewish scene. Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, good to be with you. A pleasure. Really good to be with you. I greatly appreciate that, and a pleasure to speak with you. Congratulations on the brand new book. Thank you. We are in the midst, and this is really for the benefit of those who are hearing this conversation maybe days or weeks from now. Uh, we are in the midst of uh, watching, witnessing, and hearing about terror attacks in Israel and these terrible stabbings and other types of murderous episodes. Uh, that are going on, and uh, we, of course, have our brothers and sisters foremost in our hearts and minds, no matter where we are around the world. I, I, I hate to cut to the chase uh, when it comes to the topic of um, of uh, not in God's name, but are, are these attacks, in fact, being carried out in God's name? Unfortunately, it's clear they are. I mean, uh, Hamas, Hezbollah, uh, Al-Qaeda, ISIS very different groups but what they have in common is that they have a religious ideology and uh, therefore all of them justify violence in the name of God and it seems to me that this is a real classic case of Chilul Hashem of desecrating God's name and uh, therefore I, I wrote this book as a religious protest against religious violence, because there's no defense for it, there's no excuse for it. There are, are, are there any religions, one that might ask, that would justify this type of behavior? We know how the radicals feel, and those Islamic radicals that have unfortunately dominated the news, but is there any religion or mainstream religion that in any way would endorse this type of behavior? I don't think so. You know, the great religions have been around a long time. And the great religions are guardians of human memory. And anyone with the slightest amount of historical sense or memory, and don't forget Zahor is a fundamental command in Judaism, a command to remember, will know that violence undertaken for religious ends has always proved to be not only destructive, but self-destructive, and has never achieved any of its ends. Uh, The Crusades achieved nothing for the Crusaders. They took two or more centuries of warfare. They achieved nothing for Christianity whatsoever. Um, And the same is true of every other violence. Mm -hmm. There were violent human people in uh, Jews in the late Second Temple period. And uh, their violence sadly brought about Khurban Bayit Shani, the destruction of the Second Temple. So Jews and Christians, and for that matter Muslims as well, can say from their personal memory, yes, there were times when violence happened, just as it's happening today, and it never once advanced the cause, any cause, not a religious cause, not a political cause. And that is what we really need to keep absolutely in mind. There is nothing that the Palestinians could have achieved by violence that they could not have achieved easier and more rapidly and more fully by ways of peace. So this is pure, irrational, destructive behavior, 
and it's a desecration of the name of God. So religion, by definition, has to be peaceful. The only way to achieve whatever ends one is seeking has to be, as you just mentioned, most effective through peace. Well, the truth is there is one justification and one only for violence, which is self-defense. Right. The Torah tells us in this week's parasha, you know, in the covenant that Hashem made with Noah, that uh, murder... The killing of an innocent human being is not only a crime against humanity, it's a crime against God. Because God created man in his image. Therefore, we have a right to life because life is sacred. And if there's a right to life, there must be a right to self-defense. So clearly, sometimes Israel has to defend itself. Sadly, it's had to defend itself pretty much throughout its 67-year history. But the truth is, peace always takes priority over violence, and Maimonides rules in his laws of war that no uh, violence is ever justified until all attempts at peace have failed. Right. Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs is with us. The book is called Not in God's Name, Confronting Religious Violence. So, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if this psychological study is important or not, but so many are curious where this comes from, Rabbi Sachs. How is it? That human beings can can resort to this type of activity. How is it that a that even the slightest incitement, it seems, can take teenagers and older people and turn them into murderers? Well, look, uh, you know, last week we began reading the Torah again, and uh, it has uncanny relevance to where we are today, because the Torah tells us in Parashat Bereshit that. Uh, the first religious act, Cain and Abel bring offerings to God, right. led to the first murder. Cain killed Abel. Right. And we can understand why. I mean, we can understand why, because God accepted Abel's offering, but he didn't accept Cain's offering because he felt that it was an offering um, in search of power, not in search of, of humility and obedience. And Cain then gets angry. You remember we've been reading these last couple of days about a day of rage. Mm -hmm. Cain is the first person in history to express rage. Right. And God warns him. He says, you know, if, if you do well, will, will you not find favor? But if you don't, then sin is waiting at the door. Mm -hmm. And of course, Cain doesn't listen to God, and his rage takes him to commit an act of violence. People use violence as a means of getting their way without respect for others. Th then I'll ask the question differently. What is it about religion that gets us so fired up as human beings? Uh, it's, about, it's got nothing to do with religion and everything to do with us. Uh, the uh, little glitch in the system has got nothing to do with religion, because think about the 20th century. The 20th century invented substitutes for religion. It said, let's not have religion unite us, let's be united by nationality, the nation-state, right. or by race, the Aryan race, or by political ideology, Soviet communism. So those were three secular substitutes for religion. The nation-state created two world wars. The worship of race created the Holocaust. The worship of political ideology brought us Stalin and the KGB. So it's got nothing to do with religion and everything to do with human psychology. Mm.
which is why you've pointed out in the past, we've discussed on the air, and I don't mean to make light of this by bringing this example, but even in the arena of sports and entertainment, you see people get violent because of their passion for a certain team or concept. Absolutely. Violence is a an insistence that my wishes take precedence over your rights and your uh, responsibilities. Yeah. You, you so make... If I, if, sure. You know, if I can't win by means fair and, and proper, then right. I will use violence to get my way. Right. That... Of course, the end result of that, as we will read this uh, in, 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 in the synagogue this Shabbat, the result is a flood. The result is humanity destroys itself. All right. uh, which is, I guess, why it is sometimes so difficult to remain calm, remain engaged. You've always spoken about the importance of conversation with people who disagree with you and those who come from varied backgrounds that you and others might come from. And it's so important. Yet, I mean, obviously, human beings find it an easier way out, just overreacting and carrying out that rage very yeah. often. Look, yesterday evening I was here in New York and I uh, did a session at the Council on Foreign Relations. And there were a number of Muslim figures there. Mm. And we, we really had a good and open conversation. There was real kinship between us, even friendship between us. We know that we have many political differences and certainly many religious differences. But we managed to achieve more by an hour of conversation them by a year of violence. Yeah. You actually mentioned two people in the acknowledgments of your book, um, which, I don't know, could be a little shocking or surprising that, that, that you would go ahead and do so. You have here an acknowledgment to, um, I don't have their names. Oh, here we go. We have an acknowledgment to Prince El Hassan bin Talal and yep. Professor Akbar Ahmed, two figures who you, Rabbi Sachs, say over the years have inspired you with their generous and deeply humane vision of Islam. This might be a revelation to some people in this audience that there is a humane vision of Islam. Of course there's a humane vision of Islam, and uh, they are two very good representatives of it. Prince Hassan of Jordan has been a leading spokesman for religious tolerance. Over his entire lifetime, he's an outstanding spokesman for a way that, for a voice that sadly is not heard often enough in the Middle East. He's a very, very fine individual. Uh, the other person, and of course we came together over many things, uh, over Middle East politics, but we, we developed a friendship. This is a serious, serious religious moderate of broad humanity and compassion. Akbar Ahmed, I came to know because he was the High Commissioner for Pakistan uh, in in Britain um, at the time of the murder of the journalist Daniel Pearl, mm. I remember, in 2002. Sure. Mm-hmm. And again, a very special person. I, I did a television program with him and with the father of the late Daniel Pearl, Judea Pearl, right. of the BBC. And uh, he remains, again, an advocate of tolerant Islam. That tolerant Islam uh, flourished uh, in Spain, for instance, in what we call Al-Andalus, in uh, the 8th to the 12th centuries, and brought about not a liberal democracy in today's sense, but at least a more tolerant environment than any other that existed in Europe in the Middle Ages. Does it exist today? Does tolerant Islam dominate in any countries today? I think the tolerant figures in Islam are de-voiced 
Mm. We don't hear their voice. We hear the voice of the extremists. You, rem- you remind me of uh, Bridget Gabrielle with her famous quote, peaceful, uh, peaceful uh, majorities are irrelevant. Uh, peaceful minority, uh, peaceful majorities are irrelevant, she says. Peaceful minorities are the only building blocks out of which you construct a violent, a viable future. You have to cultivate those peaceful. Yeah. Well, well she, well, she claims that the the peaceful ones are the majority, but they're just irrelevant because of the the noise and the and the murderous, you know, clamoring of the extremists. Yeah, of course, we're we're in a situation today, um, in which those famous words of the Irish poet W. B. Yeats apply: the 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 best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Right. You don't strike back by adopting the same violence or vehemence. You, you, you move people on by showing people that violence consistently fails. It makes life worse for everyone concerned. It never achieved any significant objective. And eventually people realize that all the hopes they pinned on the people of violence turned out to be disappointed. They brought neither freedom nor prosperity, nor did they give their children hope for the future. Mm. And I think the sooner we marshal the moderates and stand together and make our voice heard, the better for all concerned. Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs is with us. The book is called Not in God's Name, Confronting Religious Violence, a shocking book's release, Division of Penguin, Random House. And this might be, based on what you just said, the most important part of this conversation. Because you do go into detail in the book about the beginnings of of um, a religion infiltrating relationships and ending up in murder. You just mentioned the story from Sefer Bereshit. And you talk about love and hate and how it dominates the book of Genesis. And that fine line that we all know between love and hate. Sometimes the negative passion we have for somebody can only be for somebody who normally we are very positively passionate about. And one wonders, if we have these biblical roots, and we have this relationship with our cousins that are that is so intense, is there any hope, is there any way that we in fact can infiltrate their minds and get rid of this incitement and, and not have folks on the other side who are teenagers and older who want to be murderers of those of us who are peaceful and those of us who have a Western philosophy? Well, look, uh, the clearest evidence I can give you is that this book, Not in God's Name, which has just come out here in the States, has been out for four months in Britain. And the most enthusiastic readers of the book so far have been young Muslims. Hmm. And uh, because they're searching for another way, they can see uh, the Middle East going up in flames. They can see that the main victims of Islamist terror... Uh, other Muslims. The radicals against the moderates, the Shia against the Sunni. I mean, if ISIS prevails, if ISIS conquers the Middle East, then the lives of 200 million Shia Muslims are in danger. I mean, this is... Muslims are dying. And so are Christians in the Middle East. Devastating. There's a kind of ethnic cleansing of Christians taking place in the Middle East. So what I'm saying in this book is, for heaven's sake, let Jews, Christians, and moderate Muslims stand together, because if we stand together and let our voice be heard, we vastly outnumber the radicals. We really do. 
But so far, we haven't stood together, and so far, that moderate voice has not been heard. Mm. So it exists in Britain. I know it. I've lived with it for 22 years. I've had very good relations with young Muslims in Britain. And uh, now, obviously, I want to enlist uh, young Muslims in the United States as yeah. well. I, I and we'll see about going global. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, but but you've, you have visited college campuses in the United Kingdom, and now I'm sure you've had a greater opportunity to visit college campuses in the United States. And you see when there are episodes where, where there is violence in Israel and where Jews are being murdered by terrorists, all of a sudden protests and demonstrations in favor of the PA and in favor of finally annihilating the Jews start popping up. It is difficult to believe that there is hope and that those young Muslims you're meeting with can transform things as long as this type of disease continues to spread through global campuses. Listen, I spent a lot of my time on British campuses over 22 plus years as chief rabbi, a lot of time. And I have to tell you, whenever you make the case simply, young Muslims, most of them, seriously agree with you. And my case is very simple. I say to young Muslims, listen, you are concerned with the future of Palestinian children, right? And they say, of course, right. I say, and so am I. So am I. I want to see the Middle East offer a viable future for Israeli young children and for Palestinian young children, for Jewish children and for Muslim children. Are we agreed on this? And they say yes. And then I say, if we choose the way of peace, there will be a future for those children. They will have an economy. They will have a job. They will have career prospects. They will have an education. They will go on to do good things in the world. But if there's violence, then every single one of those elements will close down and the end result will be children who are destroyed of hope, disfigured by hate, and injured by violence. Which do you prefer? And the truth is, when you set the argument out in those terms, young Muslims listen to you and agree with you. The hotheads, of course, don't. You can't argue with somebody who denies your right to be. But the vast majority of people on campus, the vast majority of Muslims on campus, actually um, listen to you and they say, you know what, what you say makes sense. Yeah, I, I have so much more I need to ask you, but but just on this point then, when, when you hear about the BDS movement and its growth on campuses and the enthusiasm behind it, what do you think then? I think we have not done our job, to be honest with you. We should have gone out there and educated young campus youth. We've let the argument fail by default. I, uh, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. But I want to tell you, I stayed very close to British students um, from, uh, you know, the time the peace process broke down until I left uh, my job as chief rabbi in 2013. Mm -hmm. We stayed close to the non-Jewish students. I had them, the leadership of the British students, the non-Jews, uh, to our house every year. We did a reception for them. I did discussion groups with them. And the end result is, for those all those years, the National Union of Students never came out against Israel because we stayed in conversation with them, we, we respected them, and we took the argument to them. Interesting. You write in your book, the best way of curing anti-Semitism is to get people to experience what it feels like to be a Jew. Sounds very Kalbachian. What do you mean by it? <laughs> I tell the story 
of uh, a young man called Segedi, who was a leading anti-Semite in Hungary. Oh, yeah, that, that, that video went viral at that time, if I recall. Pardon? That video went viral at that time, if I recall. Well, there, there was a young anti-Semite in right. Hungary. He was a, a head of a senior in the Jobbik party, which right. is right-wing and pretty fascist party. Yeah, he hated Jews. And he turned out to be a Jew. Right. <laughs> it's become a Bolchuva and all the rest of it. Right. And uh, it just shows you that if you put yourself on the other side, suddenly your perspective on the world changes. Yeah. And you're able to uh, cure the hate. Yeah. And I don't think there's any other way of curing it. Kalbach, Kalbach used to say, and his yard site's two weeks from today, so why not cite him? Kalbach used to say he could solve the Arab-Israeli conflict if he, he and his chevra went to meet every Arab in the Middle East. There's something to that, I guess, huh? Well, you want to solve religious conflict, you do it three ways. Either by music, or by food, or by saying Elohim together. Over non-alcoholic beverages, if need be. Those are the three okay. secrets, the, huh? These are the ways you create friendship, and friendship manages to find a way where pol- politics and violence fail. A good kiddish and a good kumzit, and you're on the way, huh? Well, listen, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not giving you a kumbaya naive, <laughs> utopian vision. I have lived right. with this situation in a leadership role for many years. And I'm telling you, this is the way you do it. Hmm. Look, the book is fascinating. It's called Not in God's Name, Confronting Religious Violence, uh, Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. I just, that my frustration sometimes, especially the way you paint the history of the Jewish people and our relationship with our cousins, the Arabs, it, 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 it sometimes just feels predestined. It sometimes feels a lot like, you know, Halachahi, Ace of Soneus Yaakov. And that there's not much we can do to alter that. Is that, a, is that just a, a completely misguided perspective? I'm sorry? Shimon Bayochai says, Halachahi Esav Senez Yaakov. Right. Yeah? Right. They, and this is Rabbi Shimon Bayochai's comment. Right. On that passage where Jacob and Esau meet. Correct. For the last time. The morning after Jacob's wrestling match with the angel. Right. And you remember what it says, and Asaph came towards him and he embraced him. Correct. And he kissed him. Correct. And this is what Shimon Bayochai says, because you've only quoted half of it. Mm. It says, Halacha, she'esav sonet Yaakov. Right. It is generally true that Esau hates Jacob. Ela ba'oto sha'ah. But at that moment, nechmaru rachamav, he was filled with compassion, and he kissed him with a complete, sincere heart. So the very quote you gave me tells us that Shimon Bar Yochai believed that whatever is generally the case, when two brothers genuinely meet, there can be a genuine embrace. I do wish people would quote the second half of Shimon Bar Yochai's <laughs> comment and not just the first one. Well, I'm blaming this on the yeshiva system, frankly. <laughs> but, um, so, Always read the end of a sentence, you know? I mean, because sometimes it's interesting. So if that's the case, you would argue that Abu Mazen, at some point in his life, could, in theory, express real compassion and or love for members of the Jewish faith. 
you know, there, there was a brilliant psychotherapist. He's still alive, and bless him, um, Aaron Beck. Yeah? Mm-hmm. He, he is the co-founder of something called Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. He's an Adelaide and a Shama. He's a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful person, and one of the greatest psychotherapists in the world. And he wrote a book whose title is Prisoners of Hate. Hate is a prison. You allow yourself to enter that room, you'll never get out again. And what I say to Abu Mazen is, you have imprisoned your people in hate. And the time has come to give them freedom. And what you have to do is open the door. Stop preaching hate. Stop inciting violence. Start educating your people's children to respect the people with whom they are going to have to live. And you will achieve more by that one act than all the years of violence and terror put together. Amazing. So there is hope. Well, I don't know. It's up to them. It's not up to us. But we keep talking and we keep the door open because this is bad for everyone. Can't thank you enough for joining us this morning. Good luck with the brand new book and uh, what you're doing in general. Not, not that you need my accolades, but uh, the influence that oh, you listen, it's great to talk to you. It really is. And uh, all the best to all your listeners. Thank you so much, Rabbi Sachs. The book is called Not in God's Name, Confronting Religious Violence. Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. It's been out four months in uh, Great Britain. It is now out in the United States. It's available everywhere. You know how to, you know how to shop for books these days, folks. <laughs> you could find it everywhere. Shock and Books, I thank them. Division of Penguin Random House. And I want to give a special thank you to Alti Carper and her staff for uh, helping us uh, set this up and giving me the opportunity to uh, ask questions of Rabbi Sachs. A very enlightening conversation. More coming up. You're listening to a Thursday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Let's 
by Sachs enough that was a uh, an enlightening conversation the book's amazing the book is amazing he has an incredible method of explaining things <laughs> things that start at the beginning of time and go until today things like anti-semitism and many others so check it out and enjoy well enjoy may be the wrong word because uh, in order to enjoy it you have to hope that things actually turn around that the uh, the book has a positive effect. He has told us that the reaction so far in Britain after four months is pretty amazing. Let's hope the rest of the world takes on uh, some of the things that he uh, preaches about in that uh, in that book. Thursday morning, JM and the AM, October the 15th, the second of Marrakesh from the brand new year is 5776, Tufshin Ayin Vav, 52 degrees, sunshine and a high of 65. I want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com. A lot of our material that goes on on this radio program is uh, featured on OnlySimchas each and every day. Uh, if you haven't seen what they've done with their news feed, which is way beyond just the uh, engagements, bar mitzvahs and uh, bat mitzvahs and uh, brisin and everything else, uh, then check out OnlySimplest.com. And again, we thank them. Malcolm Holmline tomorrow, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. You'll want to tune in at 7.40 tomorrow morning. We suggest the NSN app, an amazing way to tune in and make sure you hear everything really clearly. So you could tune in for that and enjoy. Well, enjoy. Hopefully you'll enjoy. Let's hope the news is good enough to enjoy. Um, I want to thank Kevin Conan, Kevin and his staff at Petopia and Eden Walk. 
They put together an amazing meal for us last night. The uh, NSN staff get-together took place last evening. Uh, some of you may have seen some of the photos on uh, Facebook. And I want to thank uh, Kevin for uh, doing an amazing job catering. And a big shout-out to NSN staff member Jamie Turkell for coordinating the whole night. It was really a wonderful evening we had. Um, yeah, if you go into Petopia or into um, Eden Walk, make sure to mention Jam in the AM. Why? I don't know. Just mention it. <laughs> and do us a favor. Spread the word. Uh, great day on our stream today. We are so proud of the incredible NSN, Nahum Siegel Network, and... Today is one of those days where you could just be proud that you have such amazing content to listen to all through the day while at your desk or traveling in your car or listening around the world on your phone, whatever the case may be. Uh, today, uh, starting at 9 a.m., Charlie Harari, brand new papa. That's right. Dina and Charlie Harari had another wonderful uh, piece of news this week, and that was a brand new baby boy. So Mazal Tov to the extended Erez and Harari families from all of us here at JM and the AM. Uh, so Charlie's on at 9 o'clock with the boardroom. You'll hear that's between 9 and 10 o'clock. Uh, coming up at uh, 10 a.m. this morning, it's Jew in the City Speaks. Allison Joseph's always with a great guest. Y- uh, Yakir Fraser and Robbie Nissan are going to be her guests. They'll talk about the upcoming Shabbos project. Uh, it would be great to hear her perspective on that. That's coming up at 10 o'clock this morning. 10.30, Miriam L. Wallach with the writer and stay-at-home mom, Bethany Mandel. Her latest New York Post piece is entitled Guns and Moses, discussing the recent uptick in Jewish gun ownership. Hear about her own experience at a shooting range, the people she met, and how the current climate seems to be influencing previous non-gun owners to change their minds. Miriam L. Wallach with Bethany Mandela, 1030 this morning. 11 o'clock, we'll be live with a live lunch. We'll speak certainly speak about what's happening in Israel and much, much more. So join us for that. The stunt show will be live today. Mark Zamek will be bringing back people like um, Jack Abramowitz, Robbie Zeitz, Phil Sleppy, and Robert Katz, and myself. If you are curious about the roots of this show and this network, if you're curious about it, this will be a good show to tune into. 1 o'clock today, Mark Zomick with some of the personalities from the 1980s Yeshiva University Radio and uh, some of our perspective on that retrospective. And Throwback Thursday at 2 o'clock today is a jam in the AM from back in 2003 when Ohad and Yossi Green debuted Ohad's first CD. So a lot of great material today on our stream. Make sure to be tuned in to jamtheam.org and on the NSN app. And, of course, you can comment on the app whenever you wish. I want to thank everybody who commented during the um, Rabbi Sachs conversation. A lot of great comments, and it's uh, much appreciated. A lot of comments, I should say. Some of them great and, and very appreciative. The Conference of Presidents has announced that they're undertaking a series of programs and actions to demonstrate support of the American Jewish community for the people of Israel as they face this wave of terror and violence, which has taken a heavy toll. Now, I'm not here to make any political or religious statements. All I am saying is I am glad that members of all religious backgrounds, all religious leadership backgrounds, I'll put it that way, and so many Jewish organizations and so many Orthodox Jewish congregations, some of whom might hesitate to join in with other organizations, are, seem to be all aboard here in this case. And I just, I just think it's so important that everybody, no matter your level of observance and no matter what your congregation is like every single week, everybody has got to make sure to mention Israel this week. You have to make sure to mention Israel this week. You have no choice. 
So if you're in the most politically liberal atmosphere or the most religiously observant atmosphere, please remember Israel and its soldiers this coming Shabbos. And again, the Conference of Presidents, I commend them. They are doing their best to make sure that uh, everybody has Israel on uh, forefront on our hearts and minds uh, this coming Shabbat. Very, very important. J.M. and the A.M. at 23 minutes before 9 o'clock. 52 degrees, sunshine, and a high of 65. Um, we'll continue with more. This comes from A.K.A. Pella here at J.M. and the A.M.
With Udi Davidi here at JM in the AM. Pretty amazing, huh? Boi Kala, before that Yigdal done by Avraham David. You heard A.K.A. Pella with Sameach. JM in the AM at uh, 10 minutes before 9 o'clock. Well, earlier in the show, I hope all of you heard it. It was pretty early this morning. You know, one of the things that um, is so different in this era, and even more so than than last year, even, even more so than last year, is how many... How many videos are coming out of these terror attacks uh, from stationary cameras at different places like bus stops, etc., and obviously people walking by and taking their own videos of different scenes? 
and we've been horrified by what our brothers and sisters have been going through and what they're horrified by, uh, obviously in a much more intense sense than us watching from thousands of miles away. But you, but you get the point. Uh, these videos have gone viral and have made everybody very tense and apprehensive, and some people refuse to watch them, which I understand. Thank God. Thank God another type of video is coming out. And this is one of the types, and it is one of those videos that we played early this morning. There are videos coming out of the aftermath of these terror attacks and how the people in Israel react to them. So, for instance, early this morning I was sent a video and I played it on the air. I know it's only audio here, but, you know, you get the idea. I certainly want to encourage people to find it and look at it. Um, we played a video of uh, the scene outside of Tachan America Zid, outside the central bus station in Jerusalem, after the 70-year-old woman was stabbed by the enemy. And uh, in within an hour, there was a group of uh, people singing Hatikva, singing Altira, and just breaking out into song with great hope for the Jewish people to get through this latest stage of the enemy's passion and activities, as we learned from Rabbi Sachs earlier this morning. So now, and i got to thank my friend Barry Samanowitz. Barry just sent me a video... Of a bus in Israel. The scene on a bus in Israel. Now get this. This is a group of people toward the back of the bus doing what you're about to hear. And the rest of the bus you see on the video when they pan around is just either staring in disbelief or or staring with great pride and joy. Here's what happened in the midst of the atmosphere in Israel on a bus. A random bus traveling in Israel. On a bus in Israel, celebrating the present and future of the Jewish people. Simple as that. Thursday morning, JM and the AM, an amazing day on our stream all day long at jmandam.org and on the NSN app. Make sure to be tuned into the Nachum Siegel Network. Enjoy it. There's so much great programming today, like every day, but especially Thursdays. We just have incredible programming. Uh, the boardroom. With Charlie Harari, and again, Dina and Charlie Harari celebrating the birth of a brand new baby boy. Mazal tov to the Eras and Harari families from all of us here at JMNAM. Charlie has the boardroom at 9. Jew in the City Speaks, featuring a preview of the upcoming Shabbos project with Yakir Frazier and Robbie Nissan. That's going to be Allison Joseph's Jew in the City Speaks at 10 o'clock. 10.30 for Miriam L. Wallach. That's life today. We'll concentrate on Bethany Mandel, a writer and stay-at-home mom whose latest New York Post piece is entitled Guns and Moses, discussing the recent uptick in Jewish gun ownership. Join the show today. At 10.30, we'll do a live lunch. We will be live in our New York City studio at 11 o'clock until 1 o'clock. We'll be talking about Israel, I'm sure, and much, much more. At 1 o'clock, Mark Zomik helps us remember the roots 
of NSN, all the way back to WYUR in the 1980s with some of the personalities that uh, developed at that time. He'll have a whole live discussion starting at 1 o'clock. If you're interested in the beginnings of all this, tune in at 1 o'clock today. And Throwback Thursday goes back to 2003, a radio show that featured Yussi Green and Ohad for the debut of Ohad's very first CD. So a lot going on in our stream. Tune into jmnam.org and, of course, the NSN app all through the day. Lenny Friedman from the brand-new CD entitled Brand New at JM in the AM.
from a CD that Lenny Friedman calls brand new. That's La Shem Haaretz. Don't forget, tomorrow in uh, the second hour of our show, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us for a weekly update. Make sure you're with us. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listen to sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live in the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Big thank you to uh, Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs and all of our special guests this morning here at JM in the AM. Uh, plenty on our stream all day long. Tune into jmtheam.org and the NSN app and be uh, informed and entertained and inspired. We'll talk a lot about Israel in the middle part of the day. Make sure you're with us during our live lunch program. Um, tomorrow, 6 a.m. we begin. Malcolm Honeline at 740. Make sure to be tuned in for the weekly update. Obviously a very, very important week. Have a fabulous Thursday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.